Hello, everybody, and welcome to the QAV Investing Podcast, episode 509. This is the free edition. My name is Cameron Riley. If you're brand new to this uh, show, this is, we've been going a few years. I talked to my mate, Tony Kinderston, very successful investor. He's got a methodology that he uses. We call it QAV, which stands for Quality at Value. He's been using it for 30 years, gets an average 19.5% compound return. Uh, and we teach people on this show how to use Tony's system. Uh, this is a free episode. It's kind of like a teaser episode, I guess, we put out each week. usually goes for about half an hour long. We have a thing called QAV Club where uh, our members get access to spreadsheets and you getting you how to use it guides and they get to ask Tony questions, a private Facebook group, and then a longer episode usually goes for another half an hour or an hour longer. Um, what we're talking about this week, we're talking about war driving demand for precious metals, how to gross up the sell price of a stock going ex-dividend, tech pipe dreams, new consensus target date filter, contributions to our editor in Ukraine, Dennis, who's uh, having a rough trot, uh, MML revenue drop and subsequent bad news, buying a stock that you've just sold using EMA, SMA or price change one month to calculate a Josephine and we answer the question, is stock performance usually better during reporting season? Some of that's going to be in the free episode, some of it you'd have to listen to the uh, club edition episode and at the end of this episode I'll tell you how you can get access to that if you are interested. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to QAV episode 509 TK. Where are you on this lovely Tuesday, the 8th of March, 2022? I'm in southwest Sydney, Kib. Uh, southwest Sydney. <laughs> otherwise known as Wagga. <laughs> wagga, Wagga, Wagga. Wagga, 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 yeah. Uh, how's the weather in Wagga? Are you getting getting the Sydney rain there? No, Wagga's beautiful. It's... Uh, Oh, it's a bit overcast today, but we've had 30-degree days, sunny days for the last week. It's been good. Oh, that's good. Golfing. And um, you're heading back to Sydney? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. So back tomorrow night. Um, well, while I'm here, it's been good to be away. It's been so wet. Uh, yeah. 14 days of straight rain, 140 mils today, I think they were saying. It's just wow. uh, incredible, yeah. Lots of damage like there was up here? From what I can, uh, maybe not as bad. I don't think there's been as, uh, the flooding hasn't been as heavy like it is around the Brisbane River, but there's been evacuations from Hawkesbury and down south to George's, I think. So, yeah, there's certainly been something. Probably not as bad as Brisbane, though. Mm. Well, we send all of our best wishes to everyone in Sydney. Hope you're all dry and safe staying out of it. Well, it's been a big week in the markets, Tony, uh, yet again, uh, with all of the stuff going on in Ukraine and all of the other stuff that we were still coping with before that. On the, on the, I guess, the positive side of it, if it's positive, is uh, oil prices are up, gold is up. I read this article in the Financial Review saying that uh, platinum was going to rise Return of war reignites demand for precious metals. Did you see that story? I did, yeah. Yeah, it's um, got to do with how much Russia supplies the world and, and whether the world actually cuts it off or not. I understand what's happening with oil, but it's a bit of an overreaction, I think, too. I think, it, I think oil will come back down a bit because Russia does have 7% of the world's supply, but not everyone is ob- obeying the sanctions. That's, that seems to be the hypocritical 
part of all this. If you're uh, Germany and you still need gas, you're still taking gas from Russia, um, even though you're supplying arms to the Ukraine. <laughs> so it's, like, it's a bit circular. Uh, so I think that's still the case. So even though Russia supplies the world with 7%, it's probably not all the 7% that's being cut off. And uh, with the oil price rising, I mean, it's a, the old, it's probably in that article, actually, the old saying that the best way to lower oil prices is to raise oil prices because, like, as soon as it becomes such a, uh, an attractive thing to, to sell, all of the marginal producers come back into the market. And that's particularly happening in the, in the U.S. with the shale oil producers have just been sitting in care and maintenance and they're all now fired up again. I think I read last week that the U.S. has become a net exporter of oil again since the since the Ukraine war. So that I mean those those couple of things will probably start to bring the oil price down again. But it's going to be sensitive toward, towards news. So anything that happens uh, in Europe uh, that wasn't forecast or looks bad is probably going to drive the oil price up again. Wow! So. They managed to get Russia to invade Ukraine, and now the American oil producers are doing well. Wow, <laughs> qui bono, Tony? Qui bono? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's that that well orchestrated, but uh, who knows? And as for the other ones, platinum and and some of the, I think nickel is another one. Some of the uh, some of the minerals that are used for producing chips, etc. Russia is a big producer of those, so. Their prices are skyrocketing. I read Ukraine okay. is a big producer of those sorts of things, uh, chip stuff that gets used in uh, chip manufacturing. So, yeah, prices of all those things are mm-hmm. going to go up, they're saying, um, platinum, etc. So, you know, Zimplats, our gold mm-hmm. companies, uh, our oil companies, how's, how's Santos doing this week? Oh, no, they're down. Down 3 3.5% today, Santos. But they had a good run. Yeah, a lot of stocks have come off yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah, I think the oil price did come off a little bit overnight. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the echo chamber's taking over a little bit um, in the US where they're trying to forecast whether a rising oil price will make interest rates rise or make interest rates mm. fall. Uh, and uh, what's going to happen in terms of the economy? Is it going to be a good thing, a bad thing? Is it going to be a recession? So there's a lot of volatility going on at the moment too. Well, as QAV subscribers know, we just play it day by day. We're reactive, right? We're not trying to forecast. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, I was thinking about that just recently that I was listening to some article or listening to a, a TV commentator or a podcast, I can't recall where it was, about how this is the right time to buy into gold when the world's uncertain and the VIX indicator is up and uh, there's a, you know, uncertainty about when the Ukraine war will finish. Uh, that's not how we invest, though. Like, we're not in gold because we forecast those things were going to happen. We're in gold because it was unloved and the, the, <laughs> the price was really low on the gold producers. And uh, we just wait for the regression to the mean. We just wait for things to happen, which which uh, focus the light back onto the sector that we're invested in. So it's got nothing to do with the war in Ukraine that we bought gold. We bought it a year ago or longer. Uh, just so happens that we, you know, uh, mm. perhaps unfortunately we benefit from it, but um, mm. because of the reasons for the benefit, but we benefit. So we profited yeah. from the war. Mm. <laughs> I wondered about all those trips you've been doing to Russia lately, what that was all about. <laughs> Cape Shank, he said. He said Moscow. Cape Shank, Moscow is where he's been. 
Yeah, like we we don't buy things because we think they're going to go up. We buy things because no, they're unloved and just wait for the market to come back around. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, we do think they're going to go up on average, but we we don't predict when or what's going to cause it. Yeah. And I certainly yeah, we've, we've repositioned we've, the portfolio because of some macro forecast. It's just, yeah, yeah. the system just turns on. Yeah. We believe that if it's a profitable, well-run business and it's undervalued, there'll be regression to the mean and we'll take advantage of that. Correct. Okay, so speaking of, um, I don't know, something not going well, (laughs) (laughs) I got this one stock in my portfolio, Maxi Parts, MXI, trip to sell alert and stock doctor uh, yesterday, Monday. Brett later said the sell price was $2.51 when I checked, and the price was $2.33 at the time. I think now it's down to $2.20 when I looked earlier today. It's kept falling. Oh, $2.16 now. It's down 11.5% today, as is Lindsay. Oh, my God. It is blood on the streets today. It's uh, still up, well, it was yesterday, up 40% since I bought it, but they paid a dividend or a, a cash Ooh. sort of thing, uh, 62.5 cents per share back in December, fully franked. But I wasn't sure, do I do I take that off the sell price and is my sell price really then $1.88 or should uh, I be selling? Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how long I keep factoring that uh, dividend or whatever it is back into it. Yeah, so that, uh, from memory, that was a special dividend that uh, that happened because they sold off a part of their business and then they returned part of the capital, at least, to the shareholders. So that's why that uh, happened. But I, I treat it like any other dividend. And certainly there are lots of companies at the moment in my portfolio which have gone ex-dividend and the shares have dropped. So it's the same thing. So, so basically, my rule of thumb is that if... Uh, a share price has crossed the line, a three-point sell line or a rule one price. Um, I'll look to see if it's ex-dividend and then I'll look to see whether the dividend's been received or, or paid, as they say. Uh, but in between, I'll add the, the grossed-up value of that dividend back to the share price, which usually puts it above the, the sell line. Um, and I'm not sure about Maxi Trans, but in Maxi, Maxi Parts' case, that special dividend was paid on Christmas Eve from memory, 24th of December. So uh, it's yes. no longer part of your thinking. It's um, Once it's paid, it's out. I mean, the way I look at it is that if I was a new investor in Maxi Parts, I wouldn't take the fact that there was a sale of a business unit last year and then a return of capital to the current the investors at the time into account. I'm looking at Maxi Parts now and going forward. Um, and so once I've received the value of that return of capital, then I sort of flip over to being of the viewpoint of a new investor. I'm, I'm buying the shares based on their current valuation, not taking into account returns that have happened in the past. Right, so I should sell it then. Yeah, you so should. So let me ask you about ANZ then, because um, I sent you an email last night. I got a sell alert for ANZ, which is in the QAV portfolio. And you sent me a reply saying they've gone ex-dividend, but as far as I can tell in Stock Doctor, they went ex-div on the 8th of November and paid it on the 16th. Oh, okay, so sorry. We should... I, um, there was two stocks you sent through. I just checked the first one. What was the other one? CGF was the other CGF, one. Yeah, CGF, yeah, so... I think, isn't paid yet. Right, yeah. So I looked at, C- like, to be honest, when you sent through that question, I looked at the Nevexa portfolio and they were both above their Rule 1 sell lines. 
Um, yes. And CGF had gone ex-dividend. So if ANZ paid mm. at the end of last year, you wouldn't take it into account. But for CGF, you do. Right, okay. So the rule then is once it's been paid, we can stop grossing it up. Yeah, so do you want me to walk through it? Is that helpful? Yeah, we've done it before, but it's always good. I find that for some reason this doesn't stick in my brain very well. And I know <laughs> we had a couple of questions about it on the Facebook group this week too, so I know I'm not the only one. Yeah, okay, well, let's look at challenges, CGF. So current price of $6.32, which is the 8th of March. And it, I'm using Stock Doctor to look at this. So if you look at the tabs across the top, so the ones that sort of run in the second row, so... There's the nine golden rules, the financial statements, health ratios, etc., the corporate details and shareholders. Next to shareholders is DIV, divs. And I open that and uh, I just scroll down to the table of when dividends were issued and paid. So in this case, Challenger uh, had an interim dividend that went X. So 24th of February 2022 was the last date that you could become a shareholder and still be entitled to that dividend. So anyone who bought 25th of February and after, don't get the dividend payment, but if you're a shareholder before you do, and they pay that dividend on the 22nd of March. So it takes roughly a month in this case to uh, to receive the funds. So I continue to to count that back um, into the share price. So in this case, the, the uh, dividend per share was 11.5 cents, and I normally gross it up. You can see in Stock Doctor again that this was uh, franked, so that means that you, we can add back the tax that's been paid by the company. And to do that, we just um, divide by 0.7 because the company's tax rate is 30%. And it doesn't work it out for you in Stock Doctor, unfortunately, but you can just gross it up quickly. Uh, it's 11.5. So I'm getting a, a gross value of, yeah, I'm getting a gross value of 16.42 cents. So that's the value to me if uh, if I can claim the franking credit. If you can't claim the franking credit, for example, overseas investors can't claim Australian franking credits. Uh, in some cases, a family trust can't claim a franking credit. So there's a couple of cases where they don't, but most people can take that as a credit off their tax return. So I'm adding the 16-odd cents back to the share, current share price, and then I'm seeing if that is above the three-point sell line. And I do that until I get the money into my account on the 22nd of March this year. Right. Yeah. Right. Thanks. I'm going to have to get the transcription of that next week and put it into the Bible so I don't have to ask you another time. (laughs) All right. Uh, Moving right along. Tech pipe dreams. Oh, I like this story. So all those tech stocks (laughs) that over the last couple of years – all of the uh, analysts out there have been saying, "No, look, here's how you uh, here's how you work out the value of a tech stock. It's based on this fancy hyped up internet metric or that fancy hyped up internet metric." <laughs> then I read in the Financial Review this week, Aussie investors no longer buying tech pipe dreams. <laughs> hey, what pipe dreams? I thought this was based around really clever thinking that no one could explain to us in terms that we could understand. Uh, pipe dreams now. Oh, yeah. I'm shocked. Shocked to find pipe dreams going on in this establishment, Tony. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible how they turn, isn't it? Like, it wasn't too long ago they were talking about how this, this time it's different. Everything's changed. You, you know, if, you're not on yeah. the, if you're not on the buy now, pay later bandwagon, you're a fool. Yeah. 
It's interest rates are always going to be low. Nothing's ever going to change. This is the new world. Um, hold on, didn't we? Uh, didn't we have somebody on the show once upon a time that said something like that? Here it, it is. is. Different every time. It's, it's always different, Tony. It's never the same. Thank you, Alan Kohler. Never get tired of playing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, and then, it's, then, it's never different. then we would always we would always say, "I don't believe those figures." Please explain. <laughs> And nobody ever could explain. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, isn't that just the basic rule of life? If someone's trying to sell you something that you can't understand and they can't explain, why would you buy it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it's it's one of these things where I guess all of us, I don't know about you, but I think most of us mere mortals do sometimes feel like, oh, maybe I'm just dumb. I'm not getting this. Like Ooh. there's all this... Maybe it's just this thing that I don't understand. It's like advanced calculus. I just don't understand it. I should just do it. All these other people seem convinced they must be right. Like all the when when all the fundies are talking about it, fund managers that is, and all the tech journalists are talking about it, and Rudy's talking about it, and everyone's talking about it. Eventually, you know, the pressure is just to capitulate and go. Okay, well, obviously, I'm an idiot, and. Uh, and that's why I'm, you know, one of the reasons I'm so grateful for QAV is I don't have to listen to any of that stuff. I go, listen, <laughs> if it doesn't fit into the QAV framework, I don't need to pay yeah. attention to it. I'm sorry. And it's not just that. It's like it's all the Kahneman behavioural ticks and quirks that, that affect us that comes into play, like uh, the fear of missing out or um, keeping up with the Joneses and all those kinds of things that go into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So tech pipe dreams, remember that next time. But like, like I have to laugh. Like, you know, uh, uh, I've, I've been listening to you on the show for, I don't know, three years now. Every time we talked about tech stocks going, yeah, you always say, yeah, but I've see what are you saying? History doesn't rhyme, but it repeat, doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And I've yeah. seen this before. And what happens eventually is interest rates go up, inflation goes up, interest rates go up. And then these tech stocks all crash and everyone's like, no, you're an idiot. And here we are, they're all crashing and uh, everyone's going, oh, look, inflation's going up, interest rates are going to go up, these tech stocks aren't any good. And you know what, I, I, don't get, I don't get any shade and fraud from all that because people are losing money and that's never good. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather see them invest logically and simply and, and have a system and stay the course and keep their money safe than to basically go to the casino. And on the other hand, I think there's a room for a lot of these companies in terms of innovation. You know, I love my Apple iPhone. I love my Apple laptop. I use Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's just, it just gets skewed by, by human nature, I guess, and people who exploit that human nature. Yeah. But these things get, uh, get out of control. Well, that's, that's, that's it, right? And we've talked about this a lot over the years, but it's this, there's a whole industry out there to mm. take money out of the pockets of punters mm. by hyping, hyping shit up, right? It's, yeah. uh, they, they're the ones that make all the money out of this. It's the people selling the picks and the shovels, you know, the people selling the, I don't know, the journalists and the brokers yeah. and the apps, the fintech apps and, well, you know, all of these people that get behind and, and oh, um, exactly. and, and you know, hype up these things. Yeah, including, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't know what Alan Kohler thinks about this really or if he's hyping it or not, but, yeah, he benefits from from the U-Butte stories about people who struck it rich or people who've got a great new way of doing something. Uh, mm. That's just grist for the mill. But, but they are bloody coat lifters, Cam. They just go 
go around picking pockets. Coat, coat lifters. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, and, you know, that's, and look, you know, we're, we're part of that thing as well. We talk about this stuff, um, but, you know, we're, we're telling people the boring story always on this. It's like, you're always like, no, 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 just stay, stick with the tried and true principles that the uh, Godfather taught us. Buffett and Munger, Ben Graham, basic principles never change. There's that quote from I had from Munger on last week's show, I think. Buying buying good quality things at a discount is never going to go out of fashion. Correct. Something like and that. And people do that every day in their normal life until they get in front of a stock market screen. <laughs> they go <laughs> yeah. crazy. Right? No yeah. one goes out. No one goes to Woolworths and say, oh, I'll pay you 10 times that price. That's too cheap. <laughs> They, yeah. they look to try and yeah. buy it cheaply. Yeah, yeah, they shop around. But, you know, I think most of us, uh, until for me, and I know, you know, a lot of our QAV club members, until you discover QAV and, and you, you know, learn some fundamentals, you know, all you really have to go on is what you're hearing about in the media, what you're reading about, what people are telling you, and it's, it's all very overwhelming and confusing. Um, and, you, and you know what, Cam, I also think about this too. It's like uh, we do take subscription monies from our listeners, but some they only last as long as they make money. And so our system has to stand up. And yeah. so I'm quite comfortable with that. That's a, that's a decent transaction. But it's all these other people who are out there getting paid to speak, getting paid to hype, um, getting their fees on transactions. They're the ones who are, who are stealing from the system, really. Because the hardest yeah. thing in the world, in the financial industry, is to have long-term good returns, consistent returns. Um, so I don't have a problem charging to teach people this, but that's the reason why there aren't many other people doing it because it's so bloody hard. Doing it? Yeah. Well, doing what we do. Yeah. Speaking of hard, um, for QAV Club members out there, don't forget, if you haven't already, to add the new filter to your list of stock doctor filters, the new consensus target date. Uh, we have to add to our stock doctor filters it's been factored in to the af model already thank you to andrew flitman for his wonderful work on that as always and um i guess you'll get around to doing it on yours when you get a chance yeah i started doing it today but i haven't finished it yet so if if just be careful people if you're using my version of the spreadsheet we'll let you i'll let you know when the consensus target date can be added but up until then use the current filter right it won't matter right it'll just put another column of data in the Download tab. Yeah, but when you load it into anything, the spreadsheet, it'll, it'll throw the columns out. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't add it then <laughs> until Tony does the update. Yeah. Um, as we talked about last week, it shouldn't be dramatically affecting the results in the sheet, but um, so it's, it's nothing to panic about. But No. I think Andrew said that too, didn't he? That he? When he flicked over on his, it didn't make much difference. Yeah. But, you know, it makes us as... Uh, accurate as possible correct yeah we'll get it we'll get it fixed up just having a bit of the usual problem well not the usual problems my my lack of excel knowledge is being tested in terms of subtracting one date from the other in different formats at the moment so that's what's slowing me down right but i'll get it worked out the last thing i had to talk about in news was uh, i just wanted to thank everybody that uh, sent in contributions to for dennis uh the uh, our editor in ukraine um I know I've given people on the Facebook page an update, but I know that not everyone's on that. So for people who are listening for the first time, uh, our, our regular editor for the last six months is a wonderful bloke called Dennis. He's lived in Kharkiv in Ukraine, 
city that's right next to the Russian border. They've been hit pretty hard. He and his family um, went underground, as did everyone in Kharkiv when the attack started, went into bunkers. Fortunately, they were in bunkers when their house was hit by a missile and destroyed. And they're now uh, in a different city and trying to get out of the country into Poland. But uh, we did a bit of a collection. And uh, some people, some of the listeners, you know who you are, were very generous. And uh, I forwarded all that money on to Dennis last week. He was blown away, to say the least, um, at the generosity of a bunch of Aussies that didn't even know he existed a week before that because we never talk about him. But I, uh, I've, just, I've been working with him behind the scenes to do our editing, and he does a great job. He said, oh, this is great. It's going to help us, uh, you know, in terms of finding a place to live, having some cash on hand obviously makes those things, particularly in, in um, uh, wartime, I imagine. bit of cash to hand around helps get things done when you're trying to move your family. And, and uh, they're trying to get to Poland at the moment. Last I heard, there's like a million refugees, Ukrainian refugees in Poland now. So uh, thank you for that. And if you do want to, if you haven't yet, contributed no pressure but if you if you have the means and you you want to help Dennis out just um, uh, drop some money pay ID it into my account Cameron at motherload.com.au is the pay ID motherload is uh, m-o-t-h-e-r-l-o-d-e and uh, just put Dennis as a reference and um, once a week or so I'll just collect all of those and send them through to him via Wise payment system, which I used successfully last week, and he was he got the money within a few hours, so works pretty well. So thank you to everyone who supported that, and that's all I've got for this week. Tony, what else? What have you got to talk about? Yeah, well, thanks thanks for uh, supporting Dennis that way, and thank you to everyone who's donated. That's um, that's great, and I'll be donating as well. So uh, hopefully it all helps him. Uh, what have I got? I've got uh, a pulled pork to do, and uh, I've got our top movers. In the VEXA, which we've already touched on, so GRR was up fifty percent um, last week. It's down a little bit, I think now, but up fifty percent. And Corvest was up twenty-one percent last week as well. So two good results for us there. And then the pulled pork I want to do is on Challenger. So I, I did say I think two weeks ago that I would talk about Challenger and its numbers, which uh, took a little while to get into stock, doctor, but they're there now. Uh, I'll do that now. So just a quick recap. Challenger Financial CGF is the code. It's a company that uh, in the main and historically has provided annuities to retirees in particular. So people can purchase a product and then get a guaranteed income stream either for a period of time or for the rest of their life, depending on how much they pay and what kind of product they buy. Sorry about that. (laughs) There's some cars going by outside. Uh, they are now uh, starting to, I guess, expand and use some of their skill sets. Bit of local Wagga colour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my friend Ruddy thinks he's bought a house in quiet suburbia, but it's it's uh, quite busy. Anyway, uh, so Challenger are expanding. They've uh, started to uh, invest, uh, open up a funds management arm to use the sort of uh, NAS that they've been doing to invest to pay for the annuities and make that available to the general public. And they're also, they've purchased a company which provides non-bank lending to people. So uh, I guess a bit like what um, Credit Corp did, once they get a sort of profile of customers and their repayments and their financial situation, they can uh, lend them money with confidence. So that's another area of expansion for them. But, But overwhelmingly, their biggest business is in providing income streams to retirees. 
uh, CEO change last year, and this new one seems to be doing well and certainly is, is either building on what the last one did or is, is going after this growth through expansion strategy, which uh, has been reasonably well received by the market. Uh, but the stock, last time I looked, um, today being the 8th of March, was a Josephine. So uh, just be careful if you're listening to this in a couple of days' time or a week's time. It may not still be a buy. Um, so use the bread later to, to test that. Uh, but to, to run through the numbers, oh, sorry, I should also say it's ex-dividend today. So take that into account as well when you're working out uh, whether you want to buy it or not. The uh, ADT for Challenger is $6.5 million. So it, even though it's very high up on our buy list, it's one of the top stocks on our buy list, it's still a large cap stock. Uh, I'm using a price of $6.50, which is, was the price on the weekend when the download was done, but it's actually down to six thirty-five today. So these numbers will be a little bit um, out of date, but uh, the numbers will improve because of the, the lower share price. Uh, it's it's slightly below the consensus price target, so it scores for that. It's currently yielding 3.4%, and as uh, people can recall, we put the benchmark yield up to 4.49% last week based on uh, a mortgage from ANZ, and uh, therefore it doesn't score on yield, even though it's paying out a reasonable yield. Financial health and stock doctor is strong and steady. Uh, the price to operating cash flow was 1.43 times, so it's it's quite low, uh, and that's one of the reasons why it's way up the top of our buy list. But the PE is 18 times, so another one of these interesting stocks where it's generating lots of cash, but it certainly does have a cost structure, which is absorbing some of that cash before it hits the bottom line. And yeah, that's got me thinking, and you know, I might try and do some analysis on that one going forward and, and break our uh, break stocks up into those which have low price to operating cash flows, but higher PEs, maybe higher than the uh, the average in the uh, in the share market, and compare those that have low, uh, low price to operating cash flow and low PEs, and just see if there's a divergence there that we can exploit and maybe you know potentially one day put into the checklist. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the share price is greater than the IV one, but less than the IV two, so it'll score a one for that. The equity equity per share is $6, so it's trading at less than what we call book value and certainly less than 30% above that by definition as well. So it scores for that. Uh, there is forecast growth expected for this company of 17%, but the growth over the PE is only 0.91. So even though it's growing by 17%, the PE is still 18, so we're not quite getting our 1.5 there. So no score there. Directors hold about 2.76%, so we're not scoring on that one either. But it does have uh, a record uh, low PE out of the last six halves, so it scores for that, and it's a new upturn scores for that. But the equity hasn't been consistently consistently increasing, so it doesn't score for that. So all in all, the quality score for Challenger is 71%, and the QAV score is 0.5, which is quite high. Well, that's all we have for the free episode this week. Uh, it's about another half an hour of show in the club episode where we answer some of our listeners' questions. Uh, if you're interested in checking out the full episodes and the private Facebook group and the checklist and the Bible, we call it the QAV Bible, the Getting Started Guide, how to use the checklist, all that kind of stuff, uh, just go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au. And you can uh, sign up for the free trial, get two-week free trial. You get access to everything. 
have a play around, see if you think this is the right kind of investing methodology for you, if it makes sense to you. Some people like a scientific approach, some people don't, and that's fine. Horses for courses, as we say. Uh, also, if you are, if you're interested in uh, investing, you know, getting started and having a portfolio, but you're not really ready to learn a system and apply it, you don't have the time or the energy, have a look at QAV Lite, qavpodcast.com.au slash lite. This is something we've just launched recently, and it will enable you to um, uh, get a couple of stock tips from us each week, and we will also tell you when we're selling them. We run a special light portfolio. You can follow along, buy what we buy, sell it when we sell it, and uh, that might be an easier option for you than learning how to do the methodology for yourself. So that's qavpodcast.com.au light if you want to check that out. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, cr at qavpodcast.com.au. Otherwise, stay safe, particularly if you're in Sydney, stay out of the rain, stay out of the floods. Don't think, yeah, oh, I can probably I can probably get through that flooded road. I'm 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 smart. No, you're not. Don't do it. Don't don't do that to yourself. That's uh, silly, very silly. Uh, good luck with your investing. It's rocky out there at the moment, but uh, if you have a system and you're following it diligently, uh, you'll come out okay on the other side. That's been my experience anyway, doing this for the last few years with Tony. Take care. Talk to you next week. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442. AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.